This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. NBA training camps are underway. It is Wednesday, October 2nd. We are on the, also on the eve of our Roto World Fantasy Hoops live draft. That will be on Thursday, uh, an exciting day ahead. I am here with Tommy Beer. Tommy, you and I are going to be standing off the side desk offering commentary a chance to analyze, but more importantly, berate the picks of our colleagues. How are you feeling about our side desk assignment? I'm trying to, uh, I'm watching a few Comedy Central roasts. Trying to get, okay. trying to get some some good material uh, to try and incorporate into the uh, the festivities. <laughs> I think that's the right that's the right outlook. That will be live streamed on Thursday at noon, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be Steve Alexander, Ryan Knauss, Jared Johnson, and Dalton Del Don of Yahoo drafting against eight draft guide users, hosted by Ahmed Farid. Do I have all that right, Tommy? I think you got it. Sounds about right. To yeah. Me. So so it should be a good time. We are looking forward to that. In the meantime, we are going to break down a few recent headlines from RotoWorld.com. Tommy, we will begin with a headline via Hawks writer Kevin Schuenard reports that Lloyd Pierce has been raving about rookie DeAndre Hunter. I mainly bring this up because I just want this. I think this needs to stop. We need to quiet this down because I feel like Hunter was basically going to be free in drafts, and that's no longer going to be the case. I was very excited to get him in the end of all of my drafts. But Pierce had a lot of good things to say about Hunter. I'm excited about Hunter, and I feel like soon more people are going to be, and that's a bad thing for me, generally speaking, but maybe a good thing overall. What do you think about the Hawks rookie? I do like the idea, your idea of keeping sleepers sleeping, but this, this may wake up his buzz a little bit. Um, I'm not as high on Hunter as some are. I should preface that with saying, assuming that everyone else is healthy, although, although it sounds like Herter's dealing with uh, some, some little uh, little dings. Collins is dealing with that hip issue, um, although he practiced Tuesday, which was a very good sign. It sounded there was a, kind of a worrisome media day press release by the Hawks, which stated essentially that he's dealing with some hip issues and we'll you know, take a look at him at the end of camp. Hopefully he's doing better. Um, but the fact that he was out there on the floor the first day of, of practice is certainly a sign that he's moving in the right direction at least and, and should be good to go by the start of the regular season. So I'm just not sure, again, assuming that, that, the, that the key cogs are healthy, um, that he's going to carve out all those minutes. Um, you know, you got DeAndre Bembry in the mix. Vince Carter will get a couple minutes. They signed Jabari Parker over the summer. Cam Reddish is going to get some playing time. So I, I like what he can do, you know, in terms of a well-rounded stat line. Very good defensive player, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I agree that from Lloyd Pierce's perspective, Mike, I guess my only concern is that he may actually be one of those guys that's a better reality player than fantasy contributor. I think that it... I think that is definitely possible, and it is definitely possible that I'm being overly optimistic about Hunter, but I think there's also a decent chance that he's a better offensive player than advertised, and you know the whole Virginia thing has held him back a bit. I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I mean, I think he can shoot, and I think he's going to get open shots with the Hawks. I think he's going to be on the floor a lot because of his defense, and so really the question is, you know, can he get a handful of steals and blocks for me? Because I think 
I think he's got a clear path to close to 30 minutes a game, and I think he can crack double-digit points easily and hit some threes. So if he can chip in some steals and blocks, steals or blocks, I think he's going to be an intriguing fantasy player from day one. I agree with that, and I think the biggest thing he probably has going in his favor, especially when contrasting him with the other rookies, he's not a 19-year-old kid. You know, He's been in college for three years, um, has right. plenty of experience playing in big games. He's not going to be intimidated, um, has NBA size. So um, while it may take some of the, you know, the Morants, the Barretts, the Zion Williams of the, Williamsons of the world um, a little bit uh, a little bit longer to get acclimated, he should be able to come in and, and make an impact right away. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter is a grown man. Like, yeah. this, this guy is, is not going to get pushed around physically either. I mean, he... Yeah. Anyways, possible as a Hawks fan, I'm being overly optimistic, but I am I'm very intrigued, and I'll be targeting this guy in late rounds of a lot of my drafts. Next up... Uh, we had a, a news blurb on Tuesday about Jamal Murray, and it's kind of a nothing news item, but w- what I took away from it, Tommy, is Murray's slow starts, and our blurb points out he's averaged just 11.8 points and 2.9 dimes on 37.4% shooting over his first three Octobers. So he has been an early season headache for fantasy owners before kind of turning things on, and that puts me into my question of how early are you targeting Murray? Are you a Murray guy in fantasy? Um, one, that's a great stat. I, I definitely wasn't aware of that. One thing that that makes me think is I'm certainly going to be cognizant of that early in the season. And if anything, if I don't draft him in any of my leagues, I'm going to target him at early November if he gets off to a slow start again. But yeah, I am kind of high on Murray. The one thing, uh, looking at his numbers you know, for, throughout his career last season, he's never averaged more than two three-pointers made per game, um, which is kind of shocking when you think about you know this day and age of... Um, you know, centers are averaging four or five three-point attempts per game. Um, the fact that Murray's, uh, you know, averaged exactly 2.0 three-point, made three-pointers uh, each of the last two years um, is somewhat surprising because you think of, you know, the great shooters in the league. He's he's up there, you know, very 88 career free-throw shooter, you know, shoots around 37% from downtown uh, for his career as well. So I'd, I'd like him to pick, uh, you know, I, I, I would assume that the, the Nuggets would as well. Uh, like him to see him increase his attempts uh, from behind the arc. Um, and assuming he does that, you know, I think there's a lot of upside there. Remember, the kid's just 21 years old, um, or just uh, just 22 years 22. old. You know, he's not yeah. going to turn 23 until after the All Star break. Um, so he's really, you know, hasn't even started scratching the surface of his prime. Um, so if you look at guys that may have a little bit that are certainly still on the incline of their career, uh, Murray's one of those guys. So I'm very comfortable taking him in the mid, you know, the lower mid rounds. You know, the the fourth and fifth. You know, if he slides to sixth, yeah. I'd certainly love him there. Yeah, like top 50 feels like a reasonable area to aim for him. His scoring in his three years in the league has gone from 9.9 points to 16.7 to 18.2. His assists went from 2.1 to 3.4 to 4.8. You love to see those numbers steadily ascending. It's pretty easy to envision something like, you know, a 20-point, five or six assist season out of Murray. So I like him. He's also played 82, 81, and 75 games. So there's a lot to like there. Next on our list, and we got to get, I mean, you know, training camp's underway. We got to get a little muscle watch into the show. Kristaps Porzingis, you guys out there may have seen some photos of KP looking completely jacked. Uh, he was a full participant in the Mavericks' first practice on Tuesday, obviously coming off knee surgery. There's a lot of, not even whispers of load management, just a lot of talk of load management with Porzingis. It's a little unclear what they're going to do. To me, he's a really polarizing character in fantasy drafts, Tommy, because we all know what his upside potentially is as a guy who can contribute 
almost across the board in fantasy, but we also know he could be a Kawhi Leonard-esque headache this season. What are you making of the former Nick heading into the season? Uh, so interesting, Matt. I think he really is one of those guys that, that could make or break your draft. You know, if he plays 70 games, he's going to vastly outproduce his ADP. He's going to, you know, I, I'm very comfortable projecting him as a top 20 overall player. But there's also a very good possibility that he misses 20, 25 games. And that's not that's that's factoring in back-to-back rest as well as just potential injury concerns. Remember, even before he tore his ACL, he dealt with a myriad of injuries in New York. Shoulder, ankle, elbow. He was drafted in the 2015 draft. Kristaps Porzingis has played one game in April in his NBA career. Only once has he lasted wow. until April and he played just one game. You know, forget playoffs or, or anything along those lines. Just literally just lasting past March. He's only done it once in his career. You know, outside of the uh, the ACL, there's some other injuries there. So um, hasn't stepped on the floor in 20 minutes. So, you know, look, he looks great. Certainly looks like he added some muscle, but not too much. You know, obviously a guy like that, 7'3", with leg injuries, you don't want to put too much, you know, you don't want to make him too top-heavy. But so I, I'm probably going to pass in drafts unless he falls pretty far. I love his upside. Very tempted. I will be very tempted to draft him. Maybe I'll draft him if I play like in a non-money league or, you know, one of my late-year late, late year drafts because I want to have him at least on one of my teams just so I can, can keep an eye on him and, and, and root for him. But I, I, I'll admit that if I was in a big money league, you know, or, or one of my main leagues, I would be hesitant to, to roll the dice. It's just, you know, when you're looking at the third round, because he's probably going to go in the 35 to 45-ish range. Um, I'd certainly feel more comfortable at 45 than 35. But, um, you know, end of the third round, there's just a lot of real consistent, you know, higher floor guys that I'll probably be feel more comfortable drafting. Yeah, that's, that's getting close to Buddy Heald territory for me. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as far as that goes and as far as Porzingis goes Tommy are most of your leagues these days you know we all used to play I think in a fair amount of weekly lineup leagues where the league would lock on Monday I I'm finding that in the era of load management that's almost insane uh at this point 30 deep the 30 team expert league is still a weekly lineup league but overall I just feel like you you gotta kind of have daily lineups in this day and age and so kind of a two-part question do you agree with that and secondly does that kind of ease the burden a little bit for you on a guy like Porzingis. So if he's just simply resting, you just rotate someone else in there. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think that we should have daily set, setting daily lineups. Um, that, that certainly, especially in this era of load management, that certainly makes the most sense. And I guess just the one thing with load management, assuming KP avoids any other injuries and is just, you know, sitting out the back ends of back-to-back, something along those lines. The one thing, and, you know, we've talked about this before, is I think the more people that, are going to go with a load management. I mean, for instance, we mentioned Jamal Murray. Mike, the, the Nuggets coach, Mike Malone, has already discussed potentially sitting out Jokic, sitting out Jamal mm-hmm. Murray, randomly, sporadically. They're gonna, they're not going to sit out 20 games like every back-to-back like Kawhi Leonard did. But I think even with your stars, you know, so I think the, it'll be very rare for players to play more than 78 games. You know, you know I think most players will probably be in this. When, assuming they, again, assuming they are completely healthy, will still be in the 75 to 77 game range. Um, it's just the direction the league is headed. So therefore, if you get a guy that's going to play only 65 games, it's not as damaging as it once was. So it's, it's kind of that counterintuitive sense that uh, right. uh, you know somebody getting rest ma- load managed may not be as damaging as we think it is going to a season. Speaking of guys who may only play 65 games, we had a blurb on Roto World recently from Joel Embiid via a story on ESPN saying he hopes to play over 70 games. Again, 
I don't really put a lot of stock in this. We've talked about Embiid a lot, but I mean, I guess it's a little encouraging that he's thinking along those lines. Does that does that move the needle for you, Tommy, at all in terms of you know targeting Embiid toward the end of the first round? I, I've never really gotten a sense. I, I feel like you're kind of halfway in on that idea, but I don't know if we're actually drafting and you've got you know the tenth pick and Embiid's on the board whether you're actually going to take him. I'm not, you know, I'm going to go with LeBron or Beal or, or somebody along those lines in that end of the first round pick. Um, if he slips into the second, middle of the second, I'd be happy to scoop him up. But I do, I, I'll admit, I like the fact that he's at least put it on public record that his goal is to play 70 plus games. I think that just, you know, he'll be asked about it. You know, is he going to sit out back to backs? Hey, Embiid, remember you said uh, back in October that you, you'd prefer to play 70 games, you know? So, you know, maybe it, it prevents him from sitting out a, a couple back-to-backs here and there. Um, and as we know, every game counts. Um, so, uh, but obviously, I'm not going to reach for him now at five because he said it in the first day of practice <laughs> <laughs> that he wants to play in a lot of games. Um, but, you know, he's cognizant of it. You know, he said he wants to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. That's encouraging in that respect. But I think you're a little bit higher on Embiid than me. Again, he's, you know, similar. You know, if he plays 75 games, he has a chance to be a top five fantasy producer. But I'll probably want to see him do it first before I invest um, that early of a pick. Because, you know, a guy gets injured and misses a month of the season. And and not only was he injured, he just ran out of gas last year. You know, so that's a little bit concerning as well. I'm higher on him than you, but I am in no way feeling great about it. Again, as I've said, as we said, the end of the first round is just a wasteland, and you got to figure out a way to, to make some magic happen if you're drafting there. All right, this is the section of the podcast where we're going to talk about big guys who plan to shoot more threes. The first name here, Tommy, is your guy Mitchell Robinson, who keeps talking about his plans to shoot three-pointers this season. You know as much about the Knicks, uh, more about the Knicks than anyone on our Roto World staff here. Is this something that you kind of laugh at when you when you see it? Is this something you take seriously in any way, shape, or form? Uh, I guess somewhere in between there. Um, the, the reality is that he has a, a decent stroke, you know, shoot, shot 70% from the free throw line as a rookie. In high school down in Louisiana, he actually averaged uh, over two made threes per game, and I think he was shot 35% from three-point territory. If you look at him shoot, you know, he's practicing. You know, he has a decent stroke. But I think this is more along the lines of a uh, Andre Drummond thing or an experiment that, that probably won't be long-lived, assuming he doesn't you know, knock out a few out of the gates. He also talked about this prior to Summer League. He said you know, he's going to expand his range. And you know, if anything, you know, Summer League would be a great opportunity to kind of test that uh, theory out. He didn't attempt a single shot outside the paint. Um, so I think that kind of gives you a sense. Um, I don't think Fizdale loves the idea. Um, I don't think, you know, veterans like Marcus Morris are going to let him get a, get away with it. Um, again, unless he's knocking him down with some type of regularity. Will he take a three if there's, you know, four or five seconds left on the shot clock um, that he wouldn't have taken last year? Maybe, possibly, but I don't think they're going to run pin downs for him and he's going to catch and curl <laughs> and, and, and launch threes. Um, so uh, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'm high on Mitchell Robinson, but one of the reasons I'm high on him is not because I expect him to uh, carry the three point category for me this season. Right. Well, also in New York, Julius Randle is talking about shooting more threes. He made 0.9 of them last year. I mean, part of a a really pretty solid all-around stat line, over 21 points, nearly nine boards, three assists, those 0.9 threes. What are your thoughts on Randle now that he's in New York? He's not a guy I've been talking about a lot this offseason, but I'm interested in him. And the three-pointers thing doesn't change a lot for me. I mean, that's great if he's shooting more, but I think he's a pretty solid guy to aim for in the middle rounds. 
I'm high on Randall. Um, you know, he needs to bring the turnovers down. That was kind of a bugaboo for him last year. Um, right. for, for power forward with that excessively high usage rate, he had almost three turnovers per game. Um, so that hurts. And he was also just a 72% free throw shooter. You'd like to see him bump that up to, you know, 75, 77%. Right. And on set nearly seven attempts per game, which is a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. The other thing, but the other thing you love about him is his field goal percentage. Uh, last two years, he shot over 52% from the floor. Um, and yeah, I think the three point potential for increased three-point production is very very intriguing um i was actually out at nick's media day on monday um and, and asked randall about that question specifically um and yeah he just said it was one of the things that the knicks talked to him about before signing uh it's one of the things that coach fisdale has kind of mentioned to him um you know in the early stages of, of training camp and and working with the team over the summer is they want to see him kind of stretch the floor out obviously we know that in today's nba uh you know big men uh, that can step outside behind the arc not only did Randall make nearly one three-pointer per game last year. He shot over 34%, uh, 34.4% from behind the arc. That's a good number. You know, he's improved his shooting from from downtown each year he's been in the league. If he can, you know, tack on, you know, one made three-pointer per game um, and shoot a decent, and you know he's going to shoot a decent percentage from the floor. Um, as you mentioned, 21 points, nearly nine rebounds, over three assists. There's a lot to like there from a fantasy perspective. Again, assuming he can bring those turnovers down, and playing with the solid point guard, Dennis Smith, you know, uh, we'll see if Peyton can uh, and can increase his efficiency, maybe Neil Aquina. Um, I think there's reason to believe that Randall could be a real solid value. And he's slipping, you know, you, you, you can get him in the 60s and 70s in some drafts. So there, there's certainly uh, some, some nice value there. And you think he's got a decent shot to come close to replicating those numbers he had with the Pelicans last season? I would say uh, probably his scoring will dip a little bit. I'd say I'd probably, you know, instead of 21, maybe down to 20. I think, you know, he might lose some rebounds to Mitchell Robinson. Um, so you maybe bump that down a little bit. But he's still going to provide very solid field percentage. And I think the other benefit of him having to do less will be decreasing his turnovers. You know, so if he can decrease his turnovers, up his field goal percentage a little bit, I could see where he flirt with top 50 overall status. All right. I know you got to go in a second, Tommy. You're off to do a, uh, another podcast with Kurt Heelan of Pro Basketball Talk. A busy morning for you. But uh, I want to ask you about one more big guy shooting threes. DeAndre Ayton has the blessing of his coach, Monty Williams, apparently, to shoot threes. I have kind of been thinking about, or we've been thinking about, DeAndre Ayton potentially adding this component to his game because it's been talked about a decent amount. What do you make of this? I mean, Ayton was like a top 35 guy as a rookie hitting exactly zero three-pointers. So if he can add that, is it possible we're all too low on him in drafts and is it possible we're all too low on him in drafts even if he's not hitting threes yeah i think that's the case you know if he throws in a couple threes that that'd be great again as you mentioned didn't make a single three-pointer only attempted four but he's a solid shooter good form you can see it yeah um 75 free throw shooter i think he shot almost 80 percent from the line in college um and made some threes during his collegiate days so um i think he's one of those guys that kind of gets lost under the radar um the yeah. Suns obviously didn't have a good team zion williamson's you know kind of the the sexy you know the young guys you know there's a lot of buzz around those guys, but Aiden put up really solid numbers, you know. You know, and you think about it, he averaged almost one steal and one block per game, 16 points, 10 boards, playing only 30 minutes a night. You assume those minutes will bump up a little bit. Playing with a real true point guard now, a pass-first point guard in Ricky Rubio. Hopefully that'll get him some easy buckets. It was relatively durable, uh, appeared in 71 contests last season, shot 58% from the floor. So there's a lot to like there from Aiden. In the third round, I, I think he's a little bit undervalued. And I'll happily scoop him up if he falls into my lap. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it, you, you just hit it. I mean, we're all, for some reason, he's kind of under the radar. But those are phenomenal numbers for basically being a 20-year-old rookie last year. I mean, yep. he was an absolute beast. All right, that is going to just about do it for us. A reminder to tune in to our live draft. That will be Thursday, tomorrow, October 3rd at noon Eastern on Twitch, YouTube, the NBC Sports app, and NBCSports.com slash live. Tommy and I will be at the side desk offering commentary on the proceedings. Looking forward to that very much. Also, if you take a moment to rate and review our show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you may listen. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tommy, thank you for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.